listening to Living with ADHD and CPTSD, available on Apple and wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another episode of Living with ADHD and CPTSD. Um, today is a CPTSD-related episode, and I have a special guest with me today. And her name is Victoria Payne, and she also, like myself, has CPTSD. And we're going to discuss today a couple topics to do with it. Um, I actually really haven't discussed. Uh, the fear, like we're going to talk about fear and safety regarding CPTSD. And this is great for me because that I have not actually discussed fear yet specifically as a topic on its own, but this will be great because this is a very important and it is a root or one of the main roots of CPTSD and flashbacks of trauma. So hi, Victoria, welcome. Thank you for joining my show. Um, I've been looking forward to this for a while now, so. Well, thank you for having me. I'm very appreciative to be a part of the conversation and on your platform. Excellent. So um, we've been talking for a while uh, before we even started the show uh, or the idea of, of having you on the show. And there's been a lot of discussion on like CPTSD and your history and what you've been through and what I've been through. And we've, we kind of have a good, a common ground, obviously. And we have discussed, like we were, we were talking about the whole, I, you know, the whole concept of fear and also the, the importance of being safe and feeling safe within environments with, with around people that we know in uh, locations in order to help, like the word I guess I want to use is help prevent flashbacks and having triggers that bring back, you know, memories of, of, our, of our past and having traumatic events. So, um, well, I guess, yeah, let's, let's hear what you have to say and then we'll just go from there. <laughs> Sure. I've been brainstorming on these duality of the topic and it almost wants, I want to anchor a starting point at the very beginning of my trauma was very young. I was in second grade, eight years old. My parents were very young. Um, In the middle of the night, one night, my mom just up and left, not saying goodbye, not um, acknowledging the situation that she basically just up and vacated on. And in a sense, I was very um, understanding that I was in a hostile environment with no one to protect me. And in a sense, I had a younger sibling, three and a half years younger than me, that completely did not understand the fundamentals of what was going on. And, um, you know, prior to my mom leaving and exiting off the stage, um, I had confronted my father and trying to, you know, 
communicate like, what am I doing wrong? What is it that I'm not understanding because I'm in trouble every day? And, you know, I'm, and I feel like I should, you know, I'm a kid and I'm eight and I should be doing what a kid at eight year old, you know, eight years old should do. And in turn, that first initial conversation with my father turned in him to punching the wall, you know, three times in a row. And, you know, just, you know, that was pretty much a repetitive experience of any type of communication with my father. My first day of elementary where I hadn't met my teachers or anyone, um, you know, we were walking into the school, he was holding my hand and he pulled me aside and he said, if you talk with so-and-so, I will wear your ass out. And so just from that in the shock, like I shut down immediately and I didn't have any communication with anyone at school. So in a way I wasn't necessarily bullied in school, but I had a bully as a father who was very controlling, like what I wear, how I did my hair, did I brush my teeth enough? And it really impacted me on so many levels because my mom just wasn't in the picture anymore. And I was going, I was in a community where divorce wasn't a thing. And second grade was really hard for me on top of testing and being in, you know, dyslexic. And I'm surprised I even passed second grade because I was late every day. And I think that's why the teacher just really had it out for me and not really understanding my situation. But that's just kind of, you know, some context of background of my starting point with a long road of, of, uh, you know, awareness of, of the sphere. And when we talk about fear, it's very correlated and intertwined with anxiety. So like, let's say my father drove a Dodge Durango in black and any time that I would see a Dodge Durango or hear an engine that replicated a Dodge Durango, like I just instantly the, the, the heightened sense would just come up and you would just be like, okay, they're here. And what's going to happen? Cause you don't know because my father is, you know, has anger issues fight or flight issues, like just, you know, unfortunately a lot of, um, abusive tendencies and, um, my mother did come back into my life and I feel like I held out for her because she had an understanding of where I was and, I didn't really have anyone like in my corner, anyone to defend me, anyone to talk up. And of course, like, you know, being a part of school events with, with sports, my dad was the dad on the side of the, um, you know, court side screaming at me in front of everyone. And if I wasn't performing good enough, like I was still punished after the game that no one knew about, but it impacted my friendships and my, you know, friendships and their parents didn't want to be involved with me because of the type of person my father was. And I, you know, so like to me, like school, I was physically in school, but my mind was completely just not present, not present at all. And, um, you know, it is, it is definitely, um, you know, you, you think about, you know, what is, what got you through it? What made you not run away? 
you know, what made you um, just build up in that situation. And I feel that I became this protector for my sister because, you know, I was getting the blame for a lot of things. And then anything that rolled onto her, I would say I did it. It was me. Like I didn't want her to experience that type of abuse. And of course, yeah. And she's, you know, disconnected from understanding to a whole nother level of, of what is happening. So there was definitely a duality of, of favoritism and, and, you know, what's heartbreaking is my father always wanted a son. And when my sister wasn't a boy, there was a backlash on, on that level. So it's just, you know, I, I've definitely was raised in a very toxic environment and, you know, when you're raised in such an environment that becomes your norm. And I feel that, yeah, I feel that I, I tried to the best of my ability to make right what I could. And I, you know, there's a lot of honestly women you know, in their adult life that don't want kids because they flatly say, I've already been a parent because they've probably been in a, you know, a family situation where the parent has left the stage and they've had, you know, the oldest has had to take that on or however that dynamic is in the family. If there's someone that's keeping the function of, of every day going. Right. Yeah. I see. Yeah. It- there's a lot of examples out there of that. And there are so many people out there that have very similar experiences. And I, I know exactly what you mean. Like the whole fear, like the t- it is, you're so right about the two of them. Like they, they work with each other. Like you, you grow up with this, like with this abuse or, you know, whether it's uh, neglect, whether it's uh, physical or mental abuse or even sexual abuse or, and, and it's a daily, it could be a daily occurrence or you could, it could be a chronic occurrence as they, as they say, and you might, it, it, for a lot of people, it eventually will end because they get to a certain age or they move out, they go to school and then all of a sudden, one day something triggers them, right? Like it could start years later and, and they don't realize that it's, it happens until all of a sudden they get a trigger and, and they're reminded of something that's occurred from a family member or their father or their or mother or both even. And all of a sudden they're, they're just terrified and, and it could be something that isn't necessarily related to it. But they get they get terrified and they're going oh my god I'm 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 sweating I'm 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 scared out of my mind I, I want to hide I, and I don't understand I don't know where it's coming from why is this happening and it keeps reoccurring and next thing you know they're they're like okay I need to get some help and then all of a sudden they go and and the therapist is is asking them questions and and next thing you know they're going holy shit. I see now where it's coming from and it just explains it. Right. And you, and they, and that's like step one, but the fact that 
they may not, they haven't even started the healing. They've just started to acknowledge and understand that it's happened or where it's coming from. And depending on the, the type of therapy that you're, you're dealing with, or, or you're, you're, you're getting from your therapist, it's you. And I, and I know a lot of people out there not having a lot of success because they're trying different therapies or they don't have the right therapist. So they're obviously not really getting it very far, but they keep having these flashbacks of to their, to the traumatic events from the past. And this whole, f- like they're, they have this fear where every, like you were saying about the black car, right. Driving by and triggering you into, into that state. And even though it's not his vehicle, it, it looks just like it is basically like his vehicle and, and you get triggered and you, and you sit, if you didn't know, like if you were, if you had no idea, you would be sitting there and going, why the hell, like this, this car, I know it's not his, it drives by. Why is it so scary? It's because it obviously it like, like we've, I've already said, and like you've discussed it, it, it's that, that visual reminder that brings up a memory and it's, it's that flashback. And all you think of is, is that reminds me of, of my father, that reminds me of what he's done. And so, yeah, it, it's, it's just that, that is that one fear. And then you don't, of course, you're not, obviously, you know, you don't feel safe because you're thinking he's coming or, or like, that's him. That that's what that, that memory believes and yeah, you get, you get that trigger feeling and all of a sudden you're, you're not yourself. You, you feel scared, you feel trapped, or you feel like you got to run away in order to feel safe. Right. So other people out there have their, have many different triggers or many different things that could occur, uh, especially if they've been victims of, of extreme violence or physical da- physical violence and or mental like violence where they've been yelled at and and repeatedly told that they're no good that they're worthless um there's things that will trigger it and so over and and if and if it's been repeating over and over and they've been dealing with it for years and they don't they don't know what's happening and or necessarily why they all of a sudden they've got these fear like there's that the the fear is what's really bring it out because the memories are, are triggering that fear and then they're you're reliving that trauma and it's very scary obviously because if you haven't if you're if you've never been to a therapist and nobody explains to you okay you it sounds like you've got complex trauma and you're and you're dealing with with a flashback to to when you were a child if they don't know that it could literally make them just like feel like what, like, I don't know what's going on. What, like it's extremely scary. And like, uh, it's very, it's similar in a way that like a soldier in a, who's been in a war, something like a, I think the one of the examples that a lot of, they always use is there's the car backfiring as it drives by makes them think of gunfire. And so they're suddenly huddling and they're, and they're, and they're scared and they don't know what's going on. And they're, they're not themselves. It's, it's a similar situation 
they 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 might see a movie that that has physical violence and all of a sudden that triggers them because it it that brings back the memory of their own experience and they don't have they don't have any idea they they're not even in time and in place they're just they feel like they're back all of a sudden when they were however old when it when it started or in the middle of it it's it's very traumatic and very serious and so scary so yeah there's a lot of fear involved and the need to be safe is the key in my opinion is is a big key to being to to have healing progress and without that safety you really can't yeah, I feel fear is definitely, as we've discussed, linked with trust. And before my yeah. parents, um, you know, split out of a very unhealthy relationship that had, you know, they were together for eight years and I was pretty much innocent to their problems until it all came to a head. And I was very loyal to my father. I was a big daddy's girl. I would, you know, I had a lot of wonderful memories And unfortunately, when someone is, you know, just attacking you day in and day out, and again, like you hit the nail on the head, making you feel worthless, you're in an environment that, you know, how culturally in America, we don't say, oh, you shouldn't be doing this to your kids, you know, like, like your parents, that's their bubble, that's their space, and no one else can come in and say you're parenting wrong. And, um, you know, with, with my father and the time that I experienced, you know, him basically throwing me into the wall and then, you know, I had communicated to my mom what happened and instantly she picked me up. We went out to my aunt's house and then the next thing I know he's driving over, he's banging on the door, he's yelling, you know, just being highly irrational. And I didn't know how things would play out from there. And somehow I think like two weeks went by and, you know, just a lot of low key space. And back then, you know, I didn't like our communication was severed. So everything was just constantly being, you know, just internal, internal, internal to the point where you can't, you know, it's almost like the quote of like bottling up your feelings. And when I had to face my father again, and I was still living, you know, still going to live with him because my mom wasn't able to support me. You know, he told me, he's like, I'm sorry, I promise this will never happen again. And, you know, as a child, you think you have the benefit of a doubt and go, look, I, I love my father and, you know, I'm going to believe him. I'm going to put this trust back into him. And then time goes by and you see things haven't changed. You experience something again that reoccurs and then everything oh. is just pitch dark from there, you know, cause you're just like, you know, it's one thing for this to happen and take place and you just say it won't happen again. And then it's another thing for it to reoccur. And then you really don't have any room for any trust. No, exactly. And, and then building that trust, like meeting, like, I, I think the, probably the best example is, and that's for both sexes, male and female, is, is dating. Like a person, like, and I think this is probably a little bit more common for women than, than the man necessarily, but 
dating somebody like you you meet somebody you you did never met before you don't know their history you don't know who what they are like you don't know they could they could have violent tendencies they might be abusive or they might be verbally abusive that kind of a person your your level of trust um actually it's funny i i should say this right now i was talking to a friend of mine a couple of days ago and we were talking about this and she was saying that as you age and as you're getting older and you keep having these occurrences of, of violence against you and, and you're not safe and you feel like you're, you've been violated or, or you feel like you've been neglected, you have, a love, you have a certain amount of trust that's there. And every time that it occurs, whether it's, it's the same person or a, a new uh, partner that abuses you and you leave the the window that you have narrows and as you get further and further and each time it occurs what it doesn't matter if it's the same person or not that that window gets smaller so the so you start let's let's say you're with your fifth partner in two three years or whatever and you've faced a lot of abuse and you've got a very small window of trust, it could be something really innocent. Maybe, maybe not even, maybe it was completely accidental or something that had zero intention of, of being purposefully neglectful or abusive. But because you have such a narrow window, you are automatically like, I can't trust this person. I, it may not have been on purpose, but I can't trust this person because I'm fearful of my well-being and my safety. That person may have good, have completely great intentions, but because it's such a small window, you can't keep going, and it and it gets smaller and smaller, and that's that is a big problem with when you've had this chronic traumatic uh, events and, and, and you keep having flashbacks and you keep experiencing it is you have a very hard time trusting people because you don't know, you really don't know what they're, what they're going to be like. And, and, and you could know them for six months and they could be great or think, or maybe it's just the, you know, like that, that beginning period where, you don't necessarily know them really well and you're having a good time and, and you're getting to know them better and, and you think this is awesome. And then all of a sudden, maybe one or two times, something's a little not right or they're suspicious. And suddenly you're just like, that level of trust is really short. And before you know it, you're just like, no, 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 I can't do this. And without the therapy or without any sort of assistance, it's, it's nearly impossible to gain any of that back. It, and, it, and it's not like it's a sim one therapy session. Suddenly you're gaining a lot back. It's like, it takes a lot of work and it takes, and, and you have to trust that therapist on top of it all to, to get that, that healing back to gain your level of, you know, your ability to trust someone but it's so fragile because you've experienced this so many times that it doesn't take much. And unless you've had years and years of therapy and it's been good therapy, it's very difficult to, to keep, you know, that 
that level of trust, it's, and it's gone, it could be gone so fast. Yeah. On the flip side, my, so for example, my father just right off the bat started seeing um, women openly, um, Mm -hmm. you know, before I had any time to process what, like, I remember the Christmas of I'm in Texas and Dallas was, you know, back when they were a good team. And I was in some Mm -hmm. random apartment complex outside of some woman's place that I never knew. And I felt so displaced because tradition of of how the Christmas went wasn't like that anymore. And I didn't know anyone that I was in the space with. And I just remember being in the parking lot and looking up and like, I will never do this to my kids. I would never put them in this situation right now. And I feel it really impacted me of my view on marriage. Um, you know, as I've told you before, I have four sets of yeah. grandparents that are remarried. My mother's remarried. My dad, my dad remarried twice over. And I do believe marriage can work. I believe it is way more than a ritual, a piece of paper and a ring. It's a relationship just as the one that you work on yourself with another. And um, I'm so thankful for my stepfather that came into my life. And I just, I saw someone that I could communicate with someone who wasn't irrational with emotion and, you know, just gave it to me straight. And I feel like with, with all the pain that I experienced so young, I never desired as a person to be a manipulator, to be someone to, you know, have anger, be my go-to solution in, in a conflict. And it took me a long time to, you know, when trusting people, if someone did something that crossed my line, like they were gone, no second chances, no, nobody's perfect. Like instantly yeah. just, I don't know who you are anymore, you know? Yeah. And, and that's just, smart. And I've had to work on, you know, I'm not perfect. People aren't perfect. I will give people a second chance. I will humbly say, okay, you know, we all make mistakes. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm still going to keep you in my life, but I'm, I'm definitely aware of what our history is. Absolutely. I know that. And for someone who, who has experienced or is, is dealing with uh, flashbacks and childhood related tra- traumatic events, that's, it is important to have those boundaries and to set them and be very adamant with them, you know, like it, it's, there are definitely people out there that can have, or sorry, be given a second chance, you know, um, some people don't deserve it. There are those that do it, but it's always, I think the key is, is knowing, like trusting yourself and feeling safe, like, if, if you feel safe enough, then that's, I think that's a lot of the, a lot of the battle with that, because you have to feel safe in order to, to, you know, to have any chance in, in, in any of this, because, because the moment you don't feel safe, you, you're just, you just can't be you, right? Like it's, because you're gonna, the, the second anything happens, you're going to be, well, you, you won't be yourself. You'll be a, you'll be a traumatized 
um, adult who's who feels like your life's in danger or or you're like you're you think it's like you're almost like your father once one more time again right like it's very difficult to to be in in any kind of a safe environment when that person doesn't make you safe or does you know you're not even close you don't even feel anywhere near having that level of safety and it's very difficult for people who have experienced that that this the trauma because it's it's right there it you know it's like inches it's in and if the way i think of it, it's like inches away from being the slightest thing like it could it could be completely by accident or or misunderstood or or misconception, but it could trigger you, and that's the reality of of it. Is that it's this is what unfortunately we deal we have to deal with is that you can you could be perfectly fine, and all of a sudden something occurs, and and it could be that person that you're with. And it could be a trigger and it could be a big one too. And next thing you know, you're feeling like, I don't feel safe with this person. I don't feel safe here. And it's not like no amount of, of, of having them say, Oh, I'm so sorry. Or I didn't realize, or no amount of that's going to necessarily make you go, Oh, okay. All right. I'm okay. It, it, it's there. It's like a, it's like a scar. You can't just, it, it doesn't heal the next day. It takes, it takes a long time, especially if it's been violent or, or you know, very, very uh, repetitive. It's, it's an extremely hard scar to heal. And so reoccurring injuries or, or, well, yeah, it's, it's, it's so easy to, to have happen. Yeah. I mean, luckily my mom was able to support me right before high school and I transitioned yeah. and moved with her and like we had nothing but that was you know being in a place that is not safe you are hypersensitive to your environment and yes. to be able for my mom to you know work to the point where she was able to support me to be with her my freshman year, I was in a high school where I didn't know anyone. Um, I definitely, you know, got into art. I played sports, volleyball, and I slowly got to, you know, I felt like I just had a clean slate. No one knew me. No one knew my history. No one knew my father. I wasn't going to have any of that in my face. And so the journey of, of healing, like I did go to therapy, but I didn't go to the right therapist. Like I wasn't aware that I was trauma impacted. And so, you know, it's just so it's such yeah. a disconnect that I'm in a room with a therapist and she's like, have you ever tried being in a room without being present? And then I was just like, like shocked, just hit my face. I'm like, how is this going to help me? How is this person going to understand what I need? And it was even yeah. worse where she wanted to bring my mom into the space for whatever reason. And I'm sure my mom just wanted some understanding and some connection and making sure that I was okay. And yeah. I feel that that is something that a lot of people present day, when they seek out a therapist, especially during COVID times, just for, you know, a wide range of things that they feel like for one, they don't have the therapist to commit to them. And for yeah. two, it's like, you're needing help in the moment and you're addressing it and you're being brave enough to reach out for that help 
but it's like, oh, hey, I'm, I'm this person and I work on these things and maybe I can schedule in in two and a half weeks, <laughs> you know, and it, it was really discouraging. And, um, you know, so, so yeah, like in general hindsight, it's like, why would you go to the foot doctor when you have something wrong with your elbow? And yeah. that's just how displaced, you know, in a sense, it's like you're making every valid effort to build and take that next step, but you're in no man's land. We're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we will continue with this episode on CPTSD. And, yeah. um, you know, speaking of triggering, not just like, like the car. So I'm, I'm in high school. I'm, I'm full of anger. You know, I'm, I'm working, I'm a teenager. I'm, I'm working on all this stuff. And, um, you know, by my sophomore year, my, my sister comes over one day and she's limping while she's walking. And she makes up some story about how a kid ran her over with a bike. And then between closed doors and then my mom, she was just like, do you really believe that is what happened. And then instantly I was just blown up in anger because I made the connection that something happened and she is hiding it. And, you know, like I told you, the thing that really got me through all of that when I was young was I was protecting my sister. And so for her to be hurt physically and cover up what is going on, I instantly called my father And I was like, do not expect to see me anytime soon. (laughs) It's not happening, you know? No, that's, yeah. I I didn't know how to address the situation, but I had gone maybe two years without seeing or talking to my dad, you know, just because I was, that is how important she is to me, you know? Yeah, which is excellent. Like that's, that actually isn't a, in, I think an appropriate response, but that's also, from what I've heard, that's also like a traumatic response too, because you're, you weren't necessarily the one that was being victimized or, or hurt, but because it's relevant to your experiences, it is a trigger related response. Like you're going, oh my God, I, my sister's been abused or, or hit or hurt and from my dad. And, and it's like, it makes you think like if, if it was me, I'd be thinking it's like, it happened to me. And so I'm going that son of a, you know, like I'm, I know exactly how you, how you feel. Now, an interesting thing, you mentioned that you, you had new school, new opportunities, new chance, new, you know, new friends. I remember when I was in school, like high school, junior high school or middle school, I guess that's what you would call it then down there. Um, I remember so many times thinking to myself, I wish I could just have a, I could, a, a new school with a bunch of new friends, like a bunch of new people that didn't know who I was, didn't know my history, didn't, you know, and, and I was, I would say this over and over again, because a lot of like some of my trauma that is that I have today is because of school. Like, I can't remember if I, t- if I talked about it with you, but I was, I was bullied often in school. I think maybe when the three of us were having that conversation, I mentioned it mm-hmm. and I was bullied all the time in school. And that 
this this was in my head and i remember to myself saying yeah i wish i could go i could have gone to a new school i wish we would have moved a brand new city brand new place nobody knows who i am i have a fresh start and unfortunately i that never occurred just you know the way things go but that's that same mentality moved into the idea of relationships like i remember my thought was, is I'm going to start a new relationship. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to, to try again. I want to, I want to meet somebody. I have a fresh start. They don't know my history. They don't know anything about who I am, blah, blah, blah. I can have a great start and this will be awesome. And there will be no issues. Well, that didn't last long. <laughs> it doesn't, cause you know, like, I don't know that person. I, I gain their trust. They gain my trust. We, we hit it off and it, all it took was just a couple times where it was, I did something that was unexplainable or that was really weird or frustrating or just mind boggling. And the person, and she would just be like, you could tell that she was visibly upset because it was so strange and it doesn't help that she also deals with it. Like she's, she has the same thing that I have. So where there's two of us that are dealing with CPTSD. So something that I do that she thinks is, or is triggering to her gets her enraged and gets her upset. So now I'm going, what the hell? Like, (laughs) I, I don't understand. And, and so I'm suddenly getting triggered and I'm re-experiencing my own trauma and I'm going, this was supposed to be great. It was supposed to be perfect. And we were meant for each other and all this stuff. And, and now all of a sudden, it's like ev- almost every night or nearly every time we see each other, something happens and she's getting upset. And I'm going, I, I don't know. I don't understand. I don't get it. I can't explain it. It's and. It's just confusion and frustration on her behalf. And, and I'm getting scared and I'm, and it's, it's kind of like a brand new, in a way, it's like brand new triggers or brand new trauma, right? But it, but the reality is that it's not, it's just experiences from the past, which is of course the whole point is so the second that it starts and of course you're, you're experiencing it and you're, and you're building these memories of it. Now all of a sudden that the slightest little thing, and it could be something as, and as simple as just a calm saying, Oh, this, this went wrong. Something happened. What happened here? And it's not even angry. And I'm, and I'm getting triggered going, Oh shit, I've done something wrong. I'm, I'm in trouble. This is over. Like, this is where the whole fear thing comes in, right? I am, I have like a fear, this, this major fear of being dumped. So being abandoned and, and a fear of always doing something wrong, walking on eggshells, trying to be careful, uh, like, like being scared of her. And even if it's not necessarily the adult, it's being scared. It's the traumatized child that's, going, oh my God, please don't do that. Please, you know, don't, don't hurt me. Or, or I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't realize I was doing it. I'm just being a kid or I'm, there's some obvious explanation for it. And that's all there is. It's, there's very little 
adult occurring because the slightest thing that happens is triggering. And it's because it's repeated, right? And, it, and it's because of past experiences. If, if I had been, let's just say, because of my age, obviously, if I had had 10, 15 years of therapy, and if I had realized all this stuff back in the day, I could have been able to handle that and stepped away and said, okay, this is, this is just a trigger. There's nothing, you know, she's, she's not being like everybody else. She's not being like this, the kids in school. She's not being like my ex-girlfriend. Everything's okay. And then I'd be able to, to ground myself and, and, and breathe and just calm and go, it's okay. But because I had no clue, I didn't know I had this complex trauma, right? Like, you don't, you don't know these things are, are, are happening. Far as you're concerned, you're thinking you're, you're blended with that child and you're going, oh shit, here I am again. This is just like a school or this is just like my ex-girlfriend. It's, it's, and, and next thing you know, you're all, that's, that seems to be always how you're thinking and always how you're behaving and it comes out. And unless you get help, like I'm, I am obviously getting help. It's just, it's, it's a struggle, right? Like all the experts say that because of the, it, depending on, on the severity and the complexity of the trauma, it could take, and I remember hearing this and going, holy shit, it could take five, maybe 10 years of constant therapy to get any decent healing. And I, it, and I'm just, I remember sitting there going, whoa, <laughs> like that's, that's a long time. That's a lot of therapy. That's a lot of work. And the, the interesting part, and, and I, the, this was actually probably not as not helpful. And I, at, in the moment I thought it was, and it was like, you know how you sometimes you get that, you get self-confident or you gain confidence, but it's a false sense of confidence you think everything's great and then suddenly one thing happens and you just you feel like you're back at square one well i was having that occur a lot i was going to therapy and i was doing so well and i was really understanding it great and i was making progress and i was understanding that i had this i had these child parts that were that were getting triggered and they were taking over and I was getting blended and I'm acting as a child and not the adult and my therapist said wow you're doing so well you're making a lot of progress we've doing this for a year and a half and you and you're like someone who's been doing it for five years and and my girlfriend saying wow you're doing so well and I'm sitting here going yes I'm doing great I feel good something would happen. And I'm just like, what the hell's going on? I, I feel so lost. I feel like I'm not making any progress. Like I'm no good. I can't do this. And she would literally have to stop me and remind me, look, you've only been doing this for a couple of years. You're going to have setbacks. This is, a, this is going to be hard. This is not easy. And it would take that for me to like regroup and, but it would just keep happening because, you know, you, you don't want this and admitting to yourself and saying, okay, I have it. I know this isn't going to be easy and accepting the reality of it is, is hard. 
but you have so many fears. And even if you don't know, like if you're struggling to figure out where these fears are and you're struggling to understand that, like you think you've got one fear, but then reality, maybe you've got four, maybe there's a whole bunch of things that are occurring. It's so difficult and it can be so frustrating and it can really make you just feel worthless. It can make you feel like it's too hard to continue, you know, like it's, it's a difficult struggle and it, it gets to a point where you just kind of sit there and you, and you question yourself over and over and you wonder if, if what you're in is, is worth the, the, the struggle and the pain and fighting for it. Like I know I've a few times thought to myself, it's, it'll just be easier just to leave and, and be by myself and not think about it. But at the same time, I'm going, if I do that, I'm giving up. I'm not going to heal because I'm, it's, it's like turning away instead of accepting that you're having a problem. It's no different than if you had like an addiction problem. If you don't accept that there's an addiction problem, you're never going to get better. You can run away, but it's still going to, it's going to follow you. So getting some, a new environment doesn't necessarily fix anything at all. All it does is it, it's like a temporary cover or a temporary band-aid until that first moment somebody says something, even if it's completely by accident, they're just, maybe they're just joking. Maybe they're, we're just having fun. They can be something. And all of a sudden you're just like, and you're triggered and you're going, whoa, what, you know, and, and you're done and, be, be, and you don't even know what's going on. And you could be out for, you could be out for a day because it's, it's so traumatizing that you, and then you're just, you're back at square one. The only way to get better is to obviously get out and get, get somebody who knows how to do it, how, the proper methods and get healed. Right. Or, or do the, do the trauma therapy. It is so relatable to say I'm doing well, I've rebuilding, I'm putting the work in, I'm, you know, mentally on this journey to, um, you know, attempt to have what I desire most and to have, um, you know, I always looked for relationships of things that I was attracted to. I'm attracted to laughter. I'm attracted to creativity. I'm attracted to people who embrace who they are and you can have that magic formula, but you know, there's one thing that can just snap, um, Mm -hmm. you know, for example, um, there was a physical, um, you know, something that physically happened to me that had a reaction that I couldn't even control in the moment. And I just completely started bawling and I was in an intimate situation where it was probably just unrelated to the, to the moment in the space and um, you know, where I was presently in my life. But I remember leaving the room and going into the shower and just crying and bawling. And I felt like, wow, um, they're not going to understand this at all. And, (laughs) you know, you can't really talk about it either because that is such that's a, a, a reaction of, of, you know, back, like you said, being back to square one and, yeah. um, you know, every obstacle of, of trust that I've had in people, 
I had a really close friend for five years, like thicker than blood. Um, we had come to the adult table to talk about a roommate situation. So, you know, I was doing school and work and I was wanting the opportunity to save money. And, you know, we all came to the table of, would this be a good idea? Would this be a bad idea? And let's outline that. And, you know, a month before we move in, she quits her job. A month after we move in, she kicks out her significant other that she's had for, you know, with her for 10 years. That was also close with me. And then are we here? Okay. And then, um, you know, the, the next thing I know, there's another random person in the picture that's leaving their significant other. And I just, I was like, I didn't sign up for this. This is not what I signed up for. And I packed all my stuff. I put it in a storage. You know, I had at least three ways that I got three months into and I paid that off and I was in the hole and I had to climb back out of that. And, you know, it was a long time for me again to trust people again, because she could have easily told me like, this isn't what I, I don't need this in my life these other priorities are more important to me, which was her becoming a mother and and having children. And I'm like, well, where was that discussion when we were at the table before we had a living situation together? Like, that's the time you say, this isn't going to work for me. I'm going in this direction in my life. So I mean, that's just a small window of, you know, I'm definitely the type of person where they say like, Hey, look out for that hole. I'm probably going to fall in that hole. That is just who I am. I learned the hard right. way. I will do something for years on end and realize there's an easier way to do it. And I used to get so mad at myself. And now I'm, I'm pretty just, you know what? I, is, is it how I was doing something for so long? Was it really worth the anger of knowing I could have done it an easier way? I'm just you know organic about things and humble, you know, it's about humbling yeah. yourself that, Hey, I, I hit the rock bottom again, but it's up to me to climb back up and keep going. Right. Yeah. That's, that's, and that's a good way of thinking about it and believing because it, otherwise you could, you could eventually not one you could one day not be able to get out of that hole or not be able to start over because you just it it's too much right and i'm sure there have been a lot of people out there that have i've I've experienced that where they go through repeated maybe i don't know maybe a couple relationships a year and they're always and there's something that always goes wrong and it could be a trigger. It could be that maybe they're always dating someone who's abusive. Maybe they just don't know it. And eventually they just get to the point where they just feel like there's just nothing they can do. And that it's, it's amazing how strong that is. Cause that's, that's something that I'm sure a lot of people wish they could, they could just have that kind of outlook or that kind of thought or feeling or, well, let's just say belief that, that, yeah, I may hit rock bottom, but I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get there. I'm gonna f- find my way back. Um, I think a lot of help, like a lot of things that in my from what I my own experiences, is realizing reality. Like if if you go in 
like I, I said earlier, if I go in thinking that this is going to be at uh, this fresh start, it's going to make everything great. And I'm never going to have a problem again. That's just, in my opinion, that's not realistic. That's not a very good way of, of thinking and living because you're just going to, if, when it does occur, it's going to be worse because you're going to, you're going to be thinking, I don't understand. This was supposed to be great. This was this was awesome. This was a brand new start. There was no trauma anymore. I wasn't experiencing it. Why did it happen? So you're you're super frustrated. You're angry at yourself. You're angry at other people. You could be angry at the world because you're just you keep you keep they keep setting expectations, thinking, oh, uh, that next person will be that'll be the perfect person. That person will be fine. They won't ever have a, they won't be bad. They won't be abusive. They won't, they won't cause problems. And then that, and then they, they do, it may not be immediate or necessarily, but the second that they do it, you you keep going back saying, what, like, what am I doing wrong? I don't get it. I don't understand. If you, if you can face the reality and go, Hey, look, the, the honest reality is, is that I have to, one, I've got to, I've got to know that this isn't, that I have a problem. I have a, I have t- trauma related, um, a, you know, CPTSD or I, I'm experienced trauma. I get triggered. I have, I don't know, I have a bad habit of, of dating the same kind of person or, or, you know, like, you're, they make the same sort of judgment errors and they keep believing that, oh, if I just do a couple sessions, it'll, it'll all be better. Oh, I've, I've had a good week. Everything's been fantastic. It's not going to occur anymore. You, you have to accept the reality of your, of your life, of your situation. And you got to be honest with yourself. And if you, at least there, your expectations are more grounded or more real because you go in. Yeah. Okay. This relationship didn't work. Something wasn't right. I got triggered. She, it was a reminder of something she, or he was abusive or, or, and it feels like I'm going in a circle, but if you're making progress and, and they're going, okay, I realize that I've got this, I've got this problem. I, I'm going to get, I have a good likelihood that I'm going to re-experience a, a, tra- a trauma or I'm going to have triggers. I've got this, this CPTSD. You have to go and you have to say, okay, first things first, do, does this, is this like they find somebody new and they're, and they want to date this person. First thing is, is they, is they got to think to themselves, is this person trustworthy? If I, like, I don't know, three weeks into the relationship or three dates in, tell this person right at the very beginning, okay, look, this is what's, this is what I'm dealing with. Or if if presuming they trust that person enough, or they go and say, okay, I have to have boundaries that are solid. I've got to be safe. I've got to do the right thing. I have to know what I'm getting into. I can't be thinking to myself, oh, this person's going to be the, is going to be the save, the, the perfect person for me. No problem is ever going to exist. You got to have a realistic outlook and you got to be honest with yourself and true to you. And the, and the thing that I remember being told 
is like, I, I'm not, I don't want to reveal too much info with regarding her, but I remember she used to have, she went, she's done a lot more dating than I have. And there was a point in her life where she finally said, I haven't, I've had enough. I keep, there's always, I keep seeming to find the person who isn't right, does something that's re-triggering or, or says, yeah, I, great, no problem. I, I think, you know, all, does all the great things, the nice things, makes dinners, is super nice. And then all of a sudden they get into a few months into the relationship and then st- something changes, right? And it's re-triggering because you're going, this is the seventh person. All of a sudden they're, they're acting great. They're, they're buying me flowers. They're making me dinner. They're super nice. They're caring, they're loving. And then something suddenly changes, whether it's, Oh, we've been in the relationship for a year, you know, you get that comfort zone and suddenly they go, well, I don't have to try now, or I can just, it's, we're going to be good now. And then they suddenly change their behavior. And it got to the point where she was just like, enough. The only thing that matters is me. I don't have to be with somebody. I don't need to date somebody. It's, I am perfectly happy being alone. And if I meet the right person and they are on the same page as me and they maintain their part of the deal or their half of the relationship, then this will keep going. But if it if something goes wrong and it ends, then that's just the way it is. And then they're they're happy with it. They're not going, sure, they'll be sad for a little while, but they're not going to be devastated. They're not going to allow themselves to get all caught up and feel like, oh my God, the world's ending because another relationship's not working. What's wrong? All the different things that people say. It's, yeah, that's fine. I'm okay. Most important thing in the world is that I'm looked after. It's my health, my well-being that's number one priority. And she, even and she said that. I remember she said that to me. She was upfront with me. She didn't, she said, look, I don't need to be in a relationship. I'm here because I want to be with you. I love you and I want this relationship. But if something goes wrong, if if whatever reason doesn't work out, I am more than happy to walk away. I'm not going to just, you know, stick around because, oh, I need to be with you. It's no. And it took a lot of work, but she finally got there. And and the, the funny thing is, because of all her therapy work and her learning about all the stuff that was happening in her life and in the past, it, it was like her boundary, her safe, like that safety net, right? She did everything that she had to in her life to be safe and to be as comfortable in her life and in whatever situation she got into. So that was key for her. And it, I remember going, thinking in my mind going, wow, that's incredible. Like that's, there's so few people out there that think that way. Most, most people are like the opposite or kind of neutral where they, they feel crushed, right? Like if, if something ends, especially if it's been a long relationship or it feels amazing. And yeah, I, it took, to some degree, I'm still working on that, (laughs) but yeah, I, it's, it's a hard thing to, 
to do accept and to maintain. And, but that's, it's a whole safety thing. And someone who get, can get triggered super easy with, with a lot of different things, safety is the number one priority. If you can feel safe, then you don't worry about it. You might get, there might be things that trigger you that aren't related to the relationship, stuff like that happens, but safety, her safety was, is her most important priority. That's number one. And to be honest, I, I really think that's something that'll, that people who have trauma and are trying, are wanting to be in a relationship or be married, or we can even say have kids. We can put it even that far. You can't, you cannot have a kid if you're not in control of your, of your trauma, because you can't parent someone if you can't parent yourself, right? That's if you think of it that way. So you have to, you have to be, feel safe. You have to feel comfortable. You have to be ready and, but you have to be willing and not even look back the second something's wrong to go and leave. It's because your, your priority is you, not somebody else. That's how you maintain, you know, that level, that's that safety level. And that's how you heal. Because like, I, I, I know I told you, I think I told you about the, the theory that I've, I'm working with, the structural dissociation theory, is in order to heal, everybody has to be on board. Like child parts, but, which is what this is all about, is the child parts have to trust the adult in order for the adult to be in control. Because if the child parts don't trust that adult, when things get tough or when a trigger occurs, the child parts, instead of going, the adult take has, has got this, mm-hmm. let's just kind of sit back and, and we know she can handle it or, or that person's okay. They're going to go fat out. They don't know what they're doing and they step up and they are the ones that are trying to protect the adult. Problem is, is that child, children, no children. Children don't know how to behave like adults. So the child is going to say something, could say something that's completely inappropriate or do something that's wrong or I'll say for better words, freak out and and hurt themselves, right? Like all these things. So healing, trust, that safety zone, if you, that's how you heal. And without that, you just can't make any progress. You can't get anywhere. And your priority is you, you make, you get your needs met and that's being doing it for yourself. Like, I'm not saying somebody else, I'm saying you get your own needs met. You take care of yourself. And after that, everything else is secondary. As long as you're safe and you feel whole, right? That's the key here into making yourself better. This is the end of part one of CPTSD, Fear and Safety with Victoria. Come back for part two, which will be released later today.